Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hello. You know, Pete, I always said alongside. You're not alongside me anymore because no, I used to have to go like this. Yeah. But now you are right in front of me. I get to look straight at Mac Daddy as we do our Riot podcast. We've changed our studio location. It's, it's so good. But well, you're looking good, my friend. You too. How was your week? It was good. Yeah. Do anything fun and exciting? Watch some football? Anything like that? I, I have, have gotten a little bit of football. I watched a, uh, a like a documentary on Tom Brady the other day. No way. Yeah, it was pretty good. Did the you goat? That? Yeah, yeah. It was a good one. I mean, it just I haven't kind seen of talks about his life, his mental, his... You know, half the people marrying supermodels like doing that type of stuff. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Is but it? he's I mean, he's definitely different. You know, I mean, there's a reason why he's where he's at. He's he's not your normal guy. I mean, he does things different. He eats different. He trains different. He acts different. He thinks different. <laughs> it's almost like he has morals, too. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. But it was nice. I mean, that was good. So I got to do that. But that's funny. I like football. I heard it. I heard it said last week while I was at my convention in, in Dallas, somebody was saying, you want to get paid like a, you want to get paid like a pro athlete. You have to practice like a pro athlete. I mean, it's truth to yep. that. Yep. It's, I mean, it's. If you knew what it took to get them where they're at. In yeah. everything in your life. But it's, and again, it's, here's the difference with a Christian versus a person that's non-Christian. They're doing it. So they feel better. So they get ahead. So they have the accolades. They have the money. They have all of building that. their kingdom. That's mostly what it is. Mm-hmm. But if we do it with God, the same mentality, the same effort, but we do it because we're doing it to bring God glory. We're doing it so that, you know, he is elevated and lifted up. It's like we achieve not only the success that comes with hard work and discipline, but we also achieve the spiritual success that we're a blessing to others and that we elevate others and that we are doing God's work and God's kingdom and everything that we're doing. So why not do both? Right. You know, why not sacrifice something so that God is glorified in others? So I don't know. That's a thought, but that makes me think of Tony Robbins. You got to hang out with him, right? Yeah. I got to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> me and 5,000 of my closest friends. <laughs> oh, 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 you didn't go one-on-one with him? No, oh, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> So how did that go? It was it was really cool. It was three days and uh, lots of lots of great speakers, um, and a lot of them talking kind of what what you were saying, just yeah. doing building the king the kingdom, yeah. not just building your own kingdom. Yeah. So uh, and and some of those people very very successful. I mean, the world would look at them and say, "Hey, these are very very successful people," but uh, the ones that really uh, encouraged me are the ones that were doing it for you know were using the real estate business as a platform to do other things. Right. Yeah. And, and, and some of those were just clearly doing things for the kingdom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got to see Tony Robbins. I, I've seen, you know, videos and, and, you know, heard a lot of things about him. I, I, I think my perception of what I was going to get was different. Um, I honestly, it was, I don't even know that I was looking forward to it. I think a lot of people went to the convention because Tony Robbins was there. Right. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Um, but I was, I was impressed. A lot of the stuff he said is, it was very sound. Um, you know, it just, you know, he, he was all about uh, really, he kept using the word state, like your state of, not just your state of mind, but you know, your, your physical state, your, of course, what you say and how you say it, but he's all about energy, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah. energy is contagious yeah. um, and stuff like that. So I don't know. It was, it was very, very positive. I was expecting a cheerleader conference and that that's not what it was. It was, there was a lot of sound Actually helpful. Yeah. There was yeah. helpful sound, sound yeah. stuff. I mean, he used the, you know, in, in Christian circles, you kind of hear, uh, I've heard Barry say this quite a few times that, you know, you want to be, you want to be the thermostat. You don't want to be a thermometer when you're in a room. And, and the way Tony put it was, you know, when you walk into a room is does the atmosphere of that room change you or do you change the atmosphere of the room? Yeah. So kind of saying the same thing, just a little different way. And uh, it, it was good. It was really good. Yeah. As a believer, because you're thinking with Tony Robbins, when you're talking about going as a believer, when you walk into a room, we always ask ourselves, what is our purpose? What, why are we here? Right. Um, you know, it might be for a business meeting. It might be for a church event. It might be for whatever it is, a family reunion, whatever it is. We know that we have a purpose for being there. Okay. So it's the fellowship to do business, to do whatever. But in the midst of walking into that room, we also have another mission, and that is to represent God. 
and that is to bring him glory and to represent him in such a way that others are blessed by how we treat them or how we deal with them, right? And and we don't let the audience in that room dictate how it's going to happen because we already have our goal. We already have our mission. We already know why we're there. We're there to represent God. We're there to love people. We're there to elevate them above ourselves. We're there to do the things that please God, right? And so automatically, we are the ones setting the table. Automatically, we are the thermometer, not the, I mean, the thermostat, not the thermometer. And so it's, it's, you know, it's the world says it and they're, they're saying it a lot of times is like, you know, you got to be the person you wanted to be and you got to be this and all this stuff and all that, but you miss out on what is your, really your purpose for being there. You know, you, 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 you know, it's, it's more to, you know, gain new business or it's more to, you know, make people like you or feel good about yourself or make them feel good or whatever it is, but it's not with the notion of bringing God glory. It's not with the notion that, your purpose is to love them as Christ loved them, is to sacrifice for them as Christ sacrificed for them. When you do that, it automatically sets the tone. And if you do that in everything that you do in your life, it's life-changing. And that's the mission. And so that's what we talk about here on, on you know. And we talked about that in our last show. I mean, yeah. really, now I'm thinking about it while you're talking. I'm like, it's no different than when we were talking last week about well, what if you went, what if we went into a bar or what if we were winning, you know, a cigar place and it doesn't, it's the location doesn't matter. No. If, if you're going there to set the tone because you're kingdom minded and mission minded, it doesn't matter where that location is. Yeah. And it just also makes life easier. It, you don't have to complicate things. How, what do you mean? What do you mean by well, that? Well, it's like, you don't have to be different. You're just the same. Yeah. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to fake anything. You're not putting on a show. No, you don't it's have who to prepare. You, are. you don't have to prepare to be something you're not. That's so good. You're just going to be something you are and just be humble about it, you know, and just go with that mindset. But I mean, I'm telling you, it it simplifies life, but it also enhances other people's lives and it helps your life become more complete, more fulfilled and more purposeful. So yeah, thank you, Tony Robbins for that. Right. I mean, it's truth. I mean, he's, he's seeing the truth. I'm not sure from a godly perspective, it could be, but he didn't say it, but he's seeing the truth. And the truth is we as Christians are to be a difference maker, period. We're to be a light. We're to be different. We are not like, I was just talking about Tom Brady. We are to stand out period, you know, and, and that means we do things differently. And people notice that we do things differently and it's not to bring ourselves glory and it's not to make ourselves look better. We do things differently because we want Jesus to look better. Mm. We want him to be glorified. That's kind of the thought process with that. But yeah, it was good. Um, You know, he, he told so here, one of my favorite parts of, uh, he talked for like three hours. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Long time. Um, But he, he was telling some stories. He's met some incredible people. I mean, the stories that he could tell, but he told the story about uh, him meeting Gorbachev, like during the cold war. So he was asking, you know, Hey, what, what really brought down the wall? What really ended the cold war? So he, he was talking to Gorbachev and he was talking to and, and Reagan. So he's had conversations with both of these men, which is kind of cool. And, uh, but the reason he shared the story and he asked the perspective of both of them, but both times, what really changed it was Reagan's, personality you know reagan was just like bigger than life but in a humble in a humble way and he was just telling some of these stories and that's that's probably a part i'm going to remember the most about his speech is just those stories about you know reagan and gorbachev and well that goes back to be yourself you know we all have our own personality you know people try to control our personalities they try to dumb you down they try to do different things with you just be yourself (laughs) i mean again if your mission is to bring glory to god your mission is to love people. Your mission is to elevate others above yourself. Be yourself. Yeah. And, and who cares what other people say? Listen, I I get myself in trouble sometimes, right? And I say some things that are off the wall and, and off the cuff. And some people look at me like, what did he just say? My heart is not to, to downgrade people. My heart isn't to hurt people. My heart isn't to do that. I, my, I just have a quirky personality at times, right? And, and I don't change. 
I just, that's who I am, but I know my heart. And whenever I walk into any room, my heart is to love. It is, it's, it's legit. I, I do not enter. I do not leave my house without preparing my mind and my heart for that purpose. And so what comes out, you know, and that's, again, sometimes carnality comes out, but that's just my flesh and that happens, but that doesn't mean that my heart hasn't been tuned to want to do what's right and to bless and to love and to honor other people. Anyway, I don't know why we got into that subject. I don't know either, but Hey, we we were talking earlier and maybe this is a good time to talk about it. Um, You got a, we got an email or you got an email from uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And, uh, you know, one of our listeners, which is, first of all, really cool. Jackson Hole, Wyoming is one of my favorite places on the the planet. It's gorgeous. It's so beautiful right outside of the Grand Teton of Grand Teton National Park. But you want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, a gentleman gentleman, uh, reached out to us um, and he was questioning uh, my integrity on the show that we did about um, the Mormons. The when different- was that? Back in the spring, uh, maybe? Yeah, yeah. It's been the- a little while. <clears throat> so we did a show. Go back. Anybody that's watching it, go back and listen to it. But we did a show on the our Mormons Christians, and that was kind of the show. And so one of the things I did when I opened it up, I just said uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints or something. And I did not mention that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and this gentleman got a little upset and, you know, hurt that I didn't, that I left out Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, I apologized to him and I, I shared with him that wasn't my intention. I didn't do it on purpose. And that's the truth. It, there was no hidden reason why I didn't do it. Um, you know, but I, but it's, it, it did come out and it got him to conversationalize and we got him to re, you know, send an email. And so we were able to talk, but you know, one of the, the big thing on that show is we're not trying to say that there's not Mormons out there that are not saved. That's never, that's not what we're saying. And we're not trying to uh, say that you don't love Jesus and that you're not worshiping or serving. If you're a Mormon, you're not, we're never saying that. And, And it never crosses our mind to think that, you know, and we're not getting into the weeds like that. What we are saying and what we did say on that show is there are noticeable differences. Okay. And there's, there's a lot of things that have been done within the Mormon faith that are different than the mainstream Christian faith. And, and so that you have to take that as it, at faith value. You can't, you can't deny that. And from my study and to, from knowing that faith fairly well and studying it for some time, I'm no expert, trust me. I don't, there's no way that I know this all uh, know everything about it. I just know enough to have a conversation. I don't study that 24 seven, if you understand what I'm saying. But from what I know is, is and you can read this right on the, you know, the latter church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints website. <laughs> I bet you don't, you don't make that mistake again. Right. <laughs> is they, is they do say straight up that they believe that God, the father, you know, Elohim is, is, is one God that Jesus Christ is another God. And that a Holy spirit or, or another God, that there's three separate gods. So that alone tells me that it's a different gospel than what we believe or what we read in the Bible. And it's very clear that Paul and Jesus himself are referencing all three as one. And I know it's hard to comprehend. And I understand to make things easier for people to understand, they just make it, you know, let's just do this. But nowhere in context can we see that we believe that jesus the father and the son and the holy spirit are one they're three different entities three different roles but they're one they're god the father and so god the son and god the holy spirit as one so um you know people call it the trinity they call it you know whatever they want to call it but that's that's what we believe and and the mormons definitely believe differently and so for them to say that that the jesus christ that they worship or that they serve is the same how could it be? It's something different. It's a different entity. It's a separate God. They're calling the name Jesus Christ, but it's not the same uh, as what we believe. And so that was one of the statements that I said. And and to you, uh, if you're listening, um, I forget his name. Did you have his name down? Um, it's in the email. I don't have it. In, I uh, can't it, it was Mari, Mari, or think, or Mari. Or yeah, he had like a nickname that. though, and I'm trying to remember. It was like Jonesy or something. Yeah, Jonesy. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't remember. Well, I, we apologize for getting your name wrong. Well, to you though, we say thank you for listening, and thank you for the uh, definitely for the email. Listen, anybody that's listening, please email us. We'll respond to you. Trust me. 
um, we'll get back to you and, and even give you a call out on the show. But to you, I would just, and there's no condemnation. We're not persecuting you. We're not coming against you. I appreciate you um, reaching out to us, but I would also encourage you as I have, and as many others have to just try to study the differences between the two faith and, and just come to your own conclusion. I know that you're, um, you've probably been a Mormon most of your life and, and that's so be it. I'm just saying that there is a difference and we did the homework and we didn't hold back. Listen to the show again. We didn't hold back. We, we brought out actual scripture from, uh, you know, the doctrines of the covenant, the Pearl Grape Rice and the Book of Mormon. We actually brought it out and showed exactly what it says. Um, and then we compare the two. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. And uh, if anybody is listening, go back and listen to that show. It was a great show. Um, I probably would, we probably would do it a little bit differently. It was a hard show. It was, it was very difficult yes. because we, we really did the research and um, I'm sure that we've missed things and I'm sure that we probably could have covered things better and said things differently to that. I apologize, but it was not our heart's intention to do anything. Well, and even in the, even in this email, I think maybe the confusion, I, I, I think what we were trying to say is Mormon, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, but Mormonism is not Christianity. They're not the, they're not the exactly, not the they're not the same thing. We no. weren't saying that Mormons aren't Christians because no. they're probably there. I mean, we both know Mormons that we probably, we believe are saved. Yeah. So we're not, it's not, they're not mutually exclusive mm -hmm. or not just because somebody says they're a Mormon doesn't mean they're not a Christian. What we're saying is the, the religion, right? Well, I would the say Mormonism is not Mormon. Christianity. Hold on, let me finish real quick. Yeah. But and I want to use an example. We have a lot of people in America that's that call in and around the world that's call themselves Christians, but doesn't mean they're really a Christian. Right. It's it's just kind of terminology. Yeah. And I I and here's the truth. Um, I believe that there's a lot of Mormons that don't know really what they believe. And I don't think they know their doctrine. And I don't think they understand um, all the things that have taken place within the faith itself. And so I think if they actually did the study and research, I think that the church itself probably covers a lot of that to keep it from the public. By covers, you mean hides? Yeah, they don't, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. come out and rightly say all the things that are different. Um, and so if you don't know what, you know, the so like you got to peel back the levels. So the, the layers of the onion kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and again, we're not trying to like bash on your faith or anything. We're no. not trying to do no. that, but we have, we, we have, you know, righteous invasion of truth. We're just sharing the truth as we see it. Um, and that's from what I see is the truth. And so you do your own research. Don't take our word for it, but there is a lot of, lot of differences. It is not the same as mainstream Christianity. That's, that's it. All right. Let's move on. All right, good. Well, let's let's jump into prayer and then uh, we'll we'll get into the show. Okay. All right, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for again this opportunity to just uh, speak to our listeners and uh, uh, just go through this book of John, Father. I, I ask that you, uh, um, man, I've, if, you know, if we offended or hurt this guy in uh, Jackson Hole, that was not our intention by any by any stretch. We're just trying to to share the truth as as we see it, Lord. And uh, I, I pray that uh, you know if if we say something in error, that you would you would correct it. Use the Holy Spirit to correct it, uh, even our listeners before <laughs> before any anything is uh, any damage is even done, Lord. But honestly, Lord, we just want to get into this show. We want to thank you. You are so so good. And uh, this. Uh, the story in John 11, um, man, we really get to learn about who you are mm. in so many different ways and so many different aspects, Lord. And as, uh, and as John has taken us through uh, this book, we're getting close to, you know, the week in Jerusalem and the things are kind of wrapping up in the ministry. And uh, man, we just, there's just so much to learn here. And so I pray that uh, you would help us speak truth today, that uh, our listeners would hear what you'd have for them as we, as we go through this this truth and this text, Lord. So we give you this day, give you this podcast, give you our listeners, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right. Let's dive in. All right. Our title today, Pete, is how do life circumstances increase our faith? And we're going to be in John 11. We, we wrapped up John 10 last week. Yep. So this week we will begin to unpack John 11 and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Okay. This incredible miracle was Jesus's greatest and one that aroused the most response from both his friends and his enemies. John selected this miracle as the seventh in a series he recorded in his book because it was really the climactic miracle of Jesus's earthly ministry. 
He raised others from the dead, but Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. Count them, four days. It was a miracle that could not be denied or avoided by the Jewish leaders. Yeah, there's no way that you could say that, oh, he was just, you know, hurt and he came back or some sort of medicine. Nah, four days, it's it's stinky. (laughs) Stinky (laughs) is probably an understatement. John's point in this chapter is, if Jesus can do nothing about death, then whatever else he can do amounts to nothing. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, it says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of all of all that we are of all men most miserable. Mm. Death is man's last enemy, but Jesus has defeated this horrible enemy totally and permanently. The emphasis we will see in John 11 is faith. Mm. We will see the word believe at least eight times throughout this chapter. And another theme that we're going to see here, Pete, is the theme of glory of God. Mm. In everything that Jesus said and did, he sought to strengthen the faith of his disciples, Mary and Martha, and lastly, the Jews. Let's read John 11, 1 through 16, and unpack how we sought to strengthen, or how he sought to strengthen his disciples' faith. Mm. So here we go. John 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it said, this illness does not wait. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So that's really cool. So the first part is um, John doesn't go into the story of Mary and Martha. No. Right? So you can you have to go to Luke. You can go to so, Luke. But this is right? another testi- testimony that it's written later. So he's like referencing back to yeah. that. So that's kind of doing that. And then this response, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but that he says, this illness does not lead to death. It is only for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The person that he's given this to is probably like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> and I love that. It's like, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but Jesus drops hints, you know, to us. Right. All right, it's going. So he gave it to the Western Union guy and he That's took it. the message back, right? That's it. Okay. Now, uh, verse five. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her, and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. This has got to be, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. That's funny, right? Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? <laughs> if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not with him. Yeah, basically, he's just saying that... Um... I don't trust in man. I trust in God. I, I live by the light and the God is the light and it's, and he's in charge and I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to try to hide. I'm not going to try to do any of that. I'm just going to trust in God. That's basically in a nutshell. All right, go on. Okay. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant he was taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. It's just some of the statements Jesus says just blows my mind. It's like, he like, it's like he, one, he's rolling his eyes, but then again, he's like, well, I'm just glad I wasn't there with you. You know, I was like, gosh, Jesus, you're just so funny to me, uh, but it's because he, he sees things so differently than us. I try to put my, myself in the disciples shoes here and just like, yeah, they're gotta be just like, this doesn't, none of this makes any sense. Nope. doesn't make any sense. Well, we sometimes think of the disciples as super saints, but such was not the case, as we've seen. You know, they've often <laughs> failed Jesus and they wandered off just like we have. Um, but he was constantly seeking to increase their faith. So he was always looking for opportunities. He knew that his time on earth was coming to an end and that they would have the responsibility of carrying on the ministry that he began. So if their faith was weak, then their work could never be strong. And he knew that. So he was looking for opportunities to help increase their faith. So I don't know. It's kind of like our opportunities with our disciples, right? Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's people that we're pouring into, you know, the reason why I sacrifice many, 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 many hours a week pouring into people isn't so that I'm gratified and glorified and that I get any benefit from it. It really is to help prepare them for ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's to, you know, bring them to an understanding that they can then carry on what I'm sharing with them with other people. And, uh, you know, let's just face it. When you read the Bible sometimes for the very first time, it's like, what is it saying? You know, you're just like the disciples. You're like, what is he talking about? And, and sometimes it just makes no sense. And there's a lot of life circumstances that we go through that sometimes makes no sense. And so it's awesome to be able to come alongside of somebody if you know or, if, you know, have an understanding or been through certain things or understand the Bible or in, in relationship with the Lord and then help them to navigate some of these life circumstances, to navigate some of the things that the Bible says and, uh, and to walk through that with them. And so here's Jesus. He knows that his disciples are, uh, they've been with him this whole time, but he also knows that their faith is still a little bit weak. He proved that, obviously. And so he was like, all right, I'm going to help. I'm going to bring another circumstance <laughs> into your life. I'm going to help awaken your eyes and um, bring the light to it. So like Jesus is like, okay, this is a teaching moment. That's it. Always. I mean, <laughs> even in, I mean, we've been studying, you know, John is in every, he takes every miracle that he does and he makes it a teaching moment. Yep. He doesn't waste the opportunity. And here's another point. And this one's a big one. So this one is something that we all deal with constantly is, is circumstances or things that just make no sense to us. Mm. And God is always at work and uh, it's hard to see it. Um, but yeah. All right. So let's dive in. All right. Let's set the scene. All right. Um, Jesus was in the city of me. me help me say this, but Beth, Beth Yeah. Is that, is that right? Beth Abara. Man. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Barbara Walters. No, yeah. Beth Abara. When the news about Lazarus was given to him, the city is about 20 miles from Bethany for the messenger to get there. He was moving. He had to be moving quickly and it would take him at least a day or so. That sounds about right. 20 miles by what foot? Oh, yeah. So Western Union was a little slower back oh, then. Oh, yeah. They didn't have bicycles. No they might add a mule, but, yeah. And a bicycle would have been awesome yeah. back then. That would have been like having a jet today, I think. So if you notice, Jesus sent him back the next day with the message in verse 4. Remember oh, that? Yep. The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified so, through it. So this is Western Union going back and saying this. So right. He's like, hey, Mary, Martha, here's what God, this is what he said. Right. And they're, yeah. like, they're like, wait, what? So they send him to Jesus, say, hey, tell tell him that the one that you love is, is ill. Yep. And, and he, and he, comes he back and he's this. like, okay, he, tell, go send yeah. this back to the girls. Yeah. Here's, here's my message to them. Crazy. Awesome. Yeah. And then Jesus waited, <laughs> waited two more days before he left Bethany or left for Bethany. And by the time he arrived, Lazarus had been dead for four days. So if you do the math, this means that Lazarus died the day the messenger started his journey. So after he left Mary and Martha, Lazarus died that day. Yeah. And, and, and the big thing that I just take from this, um, again, is God's timing is not our timing. I mean, that's the bottom line is what we understand or what we think is the very best. God knows differently. You know, God is a far above anything we can think or imagine. He allows things for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. I mean, that's the bottom line. Um, you know, just to kind of give an idea of where Bethabara is, if Thank I'm you. even saying that right. It's east of Jerusalem. So if you know where Israel is, it's Jerusalem. It's on the side where the Dead Sea is. Okay. And it's above the Dead Sea. So it's right north, by the top of the it. North, north of, of the, the Dead, Dead sea. sea. Okay. So that kind of gives it. And then uh, Bethany is, is to to the, to the south of, or the west of, of where this is at 20 miles west. And then Jerusalem is two miles from that. So okay. it's about 22 miles from Jerusalem. If we did the math here. Um, it's but, a long hike. Yeah. But the biggest thing is God's timing. And so I, I, I found something that Charles Spurgeon once. I love Charles Spurgeon. You guys hear me quote him a lot. Um, he said, wait in prayer, call on God and spread the case before him. Express your unstaggering confidence in him. Wait in faith, for unfaithful, untrusting waiting is but an insult to the Lord. Believe that if he shall keep you waiting even till midnight, yet he will come at the right time. Wait in quiet patience, not murmuring because you are under affliction, but blessing God for it. And so 
here is God teaching his disciples to wait. He's teaching They're I know they're murmuring. They're like, Jesus, we got to go. Or is he asleep or is he dead or what's going on? And he full on told him later that he's dead. I know they're like questioning him. Got to be. They can't, they can't comprehend it. But the same thing with us in our own life. It's There's, so hard to wait, Pete. It is. It is, but the reward comes because there's veils over each one of our eyes, okay? And, and there's things that we do not see, and we cannot see unless those veils are revealed or removed from us. And the only way that many of these veils are removed is we have to learn to trust in God. Trust, there's the key word. It's to help our faith increase. And as our faith increases and we see the love of God take place in our lives and we see what manifests in time, it's like it makes us, one, love him more, but two, it helps strengthen our faith and it increases and we see things a lot different. So when we go through that same crisis again in the future, we now have that track record that we can lean on. Well, oh, no, no, my God is faithful. Mm. My God can deal with that. Or we're walking somebody else that's now going through that. We can say, hey, we, we've, seen, we've seen God work in this. We can, we can be an encouragement to others. You know, here's another verse that I saw. This is Ecclesiastes uh, 3.11. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yeah. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. God is God. He's sovereign. Another one, Acts 1.7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Hmm. We just don't know. So we just trust God and be still. These these disciples need to learn that. So do we trust, trust. Well, I feel for these disciples because yes. I'm sure I would be the same way. Absolutely. I'd be like, what are we doing? All right. There's no doubt the disciples were perplexed about the, about several matters. Like if Jesus loved Lazarus so much, why did he allow him to even get sick? Right. Even more. Why did he delay going to his sister's house knowing he was sick? Right. And on top of that, could Jesus not heal Lazarus at a distance like he did with a nobleman's son? Yep. Well, of course he could. The record makes it clear that there was a strong love relationship between Jesus and this family. And yet Jesus's behavior seems to contradict that love. Well, in our eyes. Yeah. Well, how many times have we, we have an intimate relationship with Jesus and we're walking in fellowship, but the circumstances around us feels like he doesn't love us. Yeah. And we question, I mean, look at the Psalms. I mean, look at David all the time. Where are you? Why, why don't you love me? I thought you loved me. What's going on? <clears throat> They're going through the same thing. And, and Jesus always, he's always at work. He's, he's always, he always knows the next steps. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of what it is, but it's, you know, and to have a deep relationship with Jesus is kind of cool. And, and the only way that you have a deep relationship with Jesus, is you got to know Jesus. And so Lazarus and the family knew Jesus, they spent time with him. You know, we spend time with Jesus through reading our Bibles. We spend time with Jesus. Like this morning, I got up real early before he even got light. And I just spent time worshiping him. It's just me and him, just worshiping him, spending time with him. It's it's those times that we we get to know him and he gets to know us. And so we know he loves us. It's But sometimes it don't feel like it. Sometimes <laughs> it feels like he don't like us. But there's a plan. He's deepening our faith. He's growing us. He's strengthening us. He's working all things together, Romans 8, 28, for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. He has a plan. And it's not usually physical, it's spiritual. Mm. And we get caught up in his, oh, this is going to be physical blessings. Mm, and you got to look at it for spiritual. When he says he wants to bless you exceedingly abundantly more than you can possibly think or imagine, he's not saying, hey, I want to give you all these riches. <laughs> Sometimes he's, that's what we picture, though, well, right? That's exactly yeah. how we think of it. Uh, and that's how we use it. But God is basically saying, no, I want to I want to bless you spiritually exceedingly by any more possibly think or imagine. I want your ministry to expand. I want God. I want to be able to use you, equip you and, and allow you to be equipping others, you know, through your ministry. So we just have to do that. Do you well, want to do that discussion? Yeah, part? I love this. In our notes here, it just says God, God's love uh, for his own is not a pampering love. I think we get, man, we, we mess that up all the time. We're like, oh, I'm going to be comfortable. Not necessarily. No. It is a perfecting love, it not is. a pampering love. The fact that he loves us and we love him is no guarantee that we will be sheltered from problems and pains of this life. Yeah. In fact, it might be the opposite. Yep. Think about it. The father loved his son, right? Loves his son. And yet he allowed his son to drink the cup of sorrow and experience the shame and pain of the cross. Can't even imagine. We must never think that love and suffering are incompatible. 
they're not mutually exclusive, right? No. All right. Did I say that right? Yep. I'm going to head that backwards. Yeah. But, but you yeah. got the point. But we think of it that way, yeah. right? And that's kind of, we were talking about this earlier. That's like uh, kind of the concept of uh, what the prosperity gospel, right? It's like, well, no, I'm living in his will and I'm doing everything. So everything is going to be hunky dory. Wrong, wrong. And Jesus was living in the 100% in the will of the father and he's, Still died on the cross. I love that a lot of the pastors they 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 teach this hyped up kind of God's blessing, the best was yet to come, and like they teach all these things a lot. And and I agree with all of that, but I but but a lot of times the, there's another side of it. It's it's there's a lot of suffering before the best is yet to come. There's a lot of pain and it's agony. Right. It's true. So what they're saying is not, it's not false. It is true. Yeah. But the problem is then they kind of just let people imagine what that looks like instead of helping them explain it. Yeah. And we were just talking about how, you know, before the show, how we've been through some trials in our own life. And I look at it as if, if you're going through some really hard times in life, praise the Lord, because I see it as Jesus loves you. Consider it pure joy. Yeah. <clears throat> Seriously, because I'm saying if you're going through it, that means that he's he's taking you through something so that you can know him even deeper and more better. Amen. And so it's like, praise the Lord, even though it sucks to go through it. And I'm going to say that word sucks because it does. It's it it is still incredible when you look back on it. When it's not incredible is when we take the circumstances or the problems and we try to fix it ourselves, where we 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 get alcoholed up and you know drunk or we we go plan to entertainment we do something to feed it to help get through it yeah right? self medicate it but when we just surrender and let it go and we trust and we be still at the back end of it we're like praise the lord because you're you're lighter you you have more joy you have everything and so anyway so praise the lord if you're going through the suffering amen um you know anyway go on all right so jesus could have prevented all of this but saw the opportunity to glorify the lord glorify the father. It is not important that we Christians are comfortable, but it is important that we glorify God in all that we do. Yeah. I mean, Psalms 50, 15 says, and call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. You know, I wrote this down. I said, um, in the midst of suffering, we are to worship God and to draw near to him. And I think worship is the key. And, and I, you know, a lot of people say, what do I do if I'm suffering and I'm going through, I, I worship. I, I find, you know, turn on the radio or if I just worship from your heart or sing some of the Psalms or do something, just worship God. And I think worship is not about my enjoyment. So you have to get that understand. It's not about my enjoyment. It's about my en enjoyment of God. It's not about my pleasure or mm. my delight of my satisfaction. It's about my pleasure, delight, and my satisfaction in God. It's, it's worship is not simply about glorifying God. It's about glorifying God by enjoying him. And, and so we have to understand that if we're going through the, the mill or it's hard, worshiping God is, is, is a way that we as his children recognize and say to him, I trust you. I am worshiping you. I trust you. I am, I am complete in you. I am I at peace with you. And I'm going to worship you and, and recognize that you're a good father. And in the midst of doing that, we find delight in him. In the midst of doing that, we find rest in him and we find peace in him. And if and I and I always I use worship. And so for me, worship is what gets me through. I mean, there's other things you can do, but worship is very, very key in the midst of trials and tribulation. That's good, Pete. I mean, I, I've found at times that yeah, I just don't feel like it. Like, yeah. I don't feel like worshiping. Yeah, I'm mean, just in that mood. But you know what? You do it anyway, because he's still worthy. Whether I feel like it or not, he's still worthy. It's true. And yeah. there's a lot of times you don't feel like it, Yeah, but I still turn it on and you just That's sit true. there. And then over time, your heart softens. That's sure. To yep. Every time. Yep. <laughs> Every time. Yep. All right. Let's talk about why there was a delay. Okay. Jesus was not waiting for Lazarus to die. For he, he was already dead. Yep. You know, we talked about earlier in the timing. Yeah. We must remember Jesus lived in a divine on a divine timetable, and he was waiting for the Father to tell him when to go to Bethany. Yep. The fact that the man had been dead four days gave greater authenticity to the miracle and greater opportunity for people to believe, including his own disciples. Yeah. And again, it's, we, we need to take from this that God's timing is not our timing. God's ways are not our ways. And we are living in his timetable. It's not our time. 
So when I say I'm going to be somewhere at 10 o'clock, sure, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to adjust my life so that I'm there at 10 o'clock. But you have to remember you're living in God's time. And so everything is about him. It's not about us. And so when we go about our daily life, we have to recognize that I am about my father's business. Mm. And so when I walk into a room, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, I am about my father's business. And so what happens during that time is about my father. And and if that means that you're going to have to adjust your life, if that means you have to do things differently in that day so that the father is glorified, then that was God's purpose. That was according to his plan. And so Jesus knew the father intimately. Jesus constantly says, I do what I see my father do. What my father does, I do. And so he had intimate time with the father. And so the father shared this with Jesus that I'm going to heal him, but I want to use this time to, to, to teach everybody how to, you know, a faith and grow their faith and right. open their eyes. And the same thing with us, things will happen in our life that we don't get. Why God, why? That's what they're asking. Why? We just have to know that he knows. And we have to just trust that he's in charge. And we have to know that our life is about him and get our eyes off ourselves, get our eyes off the circumstance and just walk faithfully and humbly before him and just trust him. There's and that so, trust word again. There it is. All right. All right. In verse seven, Jesus said, uh, okay, let's go to Judea again. His disciples were alarmed because they knew how dangerous it would be for them. Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem, but Jesus was willing to lay down his life for his friends. He knew that his return to Judea and the miracle of raising Lazarus would bring about his own arrest and death. That's just crazy. Yeah. He just, but he trusted God so much. It's like, you know, in Canada, you know, they were telling the pastors, you can't do certain things, but they knew they were going to get arrested, but they still did it anyway. And that's going to happen in America. That's going to happen, you know, the end times or whatever, there's coming to a time where we're going to lose our freedoms, right? And we just trust God. You know, there's, I can't tell you how many books I've read and missionaries that have been persecuted and killed for their faith. You know, it's just, you trust God. Um, but Jesus calmed their fears in verse nine and 10 by reminding them that he was, uh, he was on the father's schedule and that nothing could harm him or them. We do not fear man, but God, we trust only him with our lives. And, and so whatever happens, you know, and we've talked about this in shows past, you get put in a POW camp, we get you, whatever's happened, the worst of the worst, right? Even in the midst of that, you can pray. Even in the midst of that, you can bless your captors. Even in the midst of that, something can happen so that God is glorified. You can worship him in your spirit. You can find peace. You can find solace because one day you're going to be with him for all eternity. We have hope. But here on earth, we're going to live to glorify him. Here on earth, we're at his timetable. And, and there is no, there is nothing in the Bible that says you're going to have a mansion here on earth. There's nothing in the Bible that says you're never going to face persecution and pain. You know, in fact, I think I wrote that down. There was, uh, uh, I forget who it was. God, Augustine says, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. Hmm. So, I mean, there it is, Period. And I'm sorry to say that we're not here to give you bad news. We're here to speak truth and you're going to face suffering and everybody has, but if we fight it, we're never going to get through it. But if we let it go and trust God and worship him, we're going to be greater and better because of it. And so these disciples were blessed because they surrendered and trusted in the Lord. Wow. All right. All right. In verse 11, Jesus said that Lazarus was sleeping and his disciples took that as he will get better. But in verse 14, Jesus <laughs> After rolling his eyes. And I, and I can totally see it. I can totally see that. Said so Lazarus is dead. They once again lacked, lacked to see things with spiritual understanding. But don't We do the same thing. Don't yeah. read the Bible from the physical. physical. You have to see it. Why does this happen? Why does it happen? We'll see everything from the spiritual. The hmm. Bible is a spiritual book. All right, go on. All right. In verse 15, Jesus did not say he was glad that his friend died, but that he was glad he had not been there. Yeah. For now, he could reveal to his disciples his mighty power. That's just funny. I mean, it's it's God know it knew it. God waits to act in our lives so that the results will always lead to glorifying God and to strengthen our faith. Yeah, it's almost like God. This is just a show off moment. God's like, watch this. Yep. 
He did it. Yeah. All right, let's transition. So in verse 16, it yep. talks about Thomas, who might have uh, been a doubting man. But from this verse, he was a devoted man. He was willing to go with Jesus into danger and risk his own life. Yeah. So we can admire that about Thomas's faith. But more importantly, we can applaud his loyalty and courage to Jesus. He was no matter what he was. I'm going if I'm going down, I'm going down with Jesus. Peter was like that. I'm going to go down with you. You know, I'm yeah. no matter what. But this brings us to our next reading in John chapter 11. The two people that were very loyal to Jesus besides Thomas was Mary and Martha. So let's read a little bit about Martha and we'll get into Mary next week. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> verse 17. Yeah. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus was had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection wow. and the life. Whoever believes in me, Though he die, shall he live, or yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Mm. Do you believe this? Wow. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Yeah. That last statement when he said, Oof. do you believe this? And again, God has told us that many times in our own life. He asked us straight up, do you believe me? There's been a lot of crisis of belief and things that have happened. And so he asked us, do you believe him? And uh, he was telling Martha again, do you believe? But Jesus was concerned not only about the faith of his own disciples, but also about the faith of Mary and Martha. So each experience of suffering and trial ought to increase our faith. But this kind of spiritual growth is not automatic. So it's a lot of times like, I want to grow closer to the Lord. I want to get, I want to learn all about him. And you go through all this study and all this, but in order to get intimacy with Jesus, I hate to say it, but you're going to have to go through some trials mm. and there's going to be some tribulations in your life. And um, you could testify to this. I mean, one of the most awakening moments of your life was your daughter's birth. Yeah. And what you went through, that great trial, that great tribulation in your life has brought you to your knees and it brought you to the throne room of God. Yep. And uh, you look back on it, you kind of wish you didn't have to go through that, the unknowns that took place, all of the worry, all the fear that went on. But you look back on it, and man, wouldn't I mean, change it for the world. No, yeah. I mean, not only did it change your life just physically because you yeah. have amazing daughter, but it also changed your life spiritually. Yeah, and yeah. look where you're at today, and you never look back since then. So. Hey, no, that's so true, and that yeah, definitely a pivot point. But we we all get those right. We get put in those situations, and we have a choice. We can either turn to God and rely and trust Him, or we unfortunately too many times we run from Him or blame Him, or we just don't change. I mean, we, you know, we have, you know, blow out knee or we blow our back out or we do something that's whatever. And then all of a sudden God is like, rest. We're like, well, what do we do in that rest time? You know, do we fight or do we just fill our minds with something else or do we fill our minds with God? I mean, are we surrendered? Are we doing? Yeah. yeah it's just, I love how Martha responds to it. We must respond positively to the ministry of the word and the spirit of God. Although Martha questioned Jesus, he, she clearly did that if he would have been here, um, my brother would not have died. She chose to respond to Jesus by trusting his perfect will. What an example. And then same with us. I mean, I question the Lord a lot. Lord, what are you doing? What's yeah. going on? You know, and, and I think that's natural. It's natural for me to ask the question yeah. because I'm really concerned. I don't know. I don't like it. You know, I'm never saying, hey, God, I love this trial that you're putting me through. You know what? I don't think God has any problem with us questioning it either. No. No. And I always use the word stretching. And so Bob, whenever I, I told this before in our pre, pre-show, I said, you know, I almost said pregame. It's funny. Anyway. Well, it um, is football season. <laughs> but I mean, when I'm going through and I will say I'm stretched and, and that's me basically saying, Hey, life is hard right now. I'm going through it. And uh, so you guys can use that. So if you're going through it, you know, it's not our job to pour all of our problems onto somebody else. Our job is to cast all of our cares and our burdens to Jesus. Amen. It's his responsibility, not others. But we can let people know we're going through it. And just like the disciples here in Mary and Martha, they were going through it. They had a deep love 
or their brother, you know, and, and now it doesn't make any sense. But all right, let's go. Jesus responded to Martha that Lazarus would rise again. He was thinking immediately, but she was thinking future by referencing Daniel 12 to uh, two and three. She, like the disciples, lacked spiritual understanding. Jesus responded to her with his fifth I am statement by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. It's important to note that Jesus did not deny what Mary said about the future resurrection, but Jesus's I am statement completely transformed the doctrine of the resurrection and in so doing brought great comfort to Martha's heart. Yeah, I mean, Daniel 12, 2, 3, I mean, just the verse 2 alone, it says that, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake something to everlasting life. So they understood that. And so Mary and Martha understood that. So in sort of the Pharisees, because the Pharisees believed in resurrection, the Sadducees did not. Um, so during that time, there was a lot of confusion about resurrection. And so they believed that in the future that was going to take place, but Jesus wasn't talking about that. I mean, he's full on talking about right now. Yeah, but he doesn't um, correct her. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And he just, I mean, because well, she's right. She but... is saying the truth. Yes. But he was, again, the Pharisees in the argument, a lot of them were saying the truth, but they were not getting the complete picture. Mm -hmm. They did not know the father's plan. Remember how many times is, well, you don't know me because you don't know the father. If you knew the father, you would know me. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's it's like, you know, there's a greater plan. So Jesus brought the doctrine of the resurrection out of the shadows into the light. So basically there was confusion and he's like, hey, let me set the straight, let this, the record straight. Let me, let me clarify. The Old Testament revelation about death and resurrection is not clear or complete. And he gets that. It is as if they were in the shadows. But in fact, there are some passages in Psalms and Ecclesiastes that almost make one believe that death is in the the end, and there is no hope beyond the grave. Jesus used this opportunity to set the record straight. By his teaching, his miracle, and his own resurrection, Jesus clearly taught that the resurrection of the human body. He has declared once and for all that death is real, and there is life after death, and that the body will one day be raised by the power of God. Wow. So, if you're during that time, and you're hearing this for the first time, or you're, you were in that confusion, where do I go after I die? I mean, there's many people today, they don't know where they're going to go after the die. Jesus makes it very clear to them, no, you're going to go with me in paradise. You're going to live with me. I'm, there is resurrection of your body, if you believe in me. And so he made that very clear. And he was telling them, and that not only is he going to raise it once you're dead, but I can do it now. And I'm going to prove to you that I have the power to rise somebody from the dead. And so that's just pretty crazy or raise somebody from the dead, if I said it right. All right, let's go on. <laughs> he transformed this doctrine in a second way as well. He took it out of the book and put it into a person Amen. himself. Yeah. While we thank God for what the Bible teaches, we realize that we are saved by the Redeemer Jesus and not by a doctrine written in a book. Yeah, that's even better because yeah. now, now it's not just the words on the pages. Now it's in a person. And so he's, he's basically, he's like bringing it 3D right? That's good. Yeah. It's what he's doing. Yeah. And so he's just, he's making it, you could touch the resurrection, you get it and you could see it. And he brings, he, he brings Lazarus back to buy just to prove his point. And so when we know him by faith, we need not fear the shadow of death. When we are sick, we want a doctor, not a medical book or a formula. <laughs> In Jesus, every doctrine is made personal. When we belong to him, we have all that we ever will need in life, death, time, or eternity. So you Jesus, mean when you have the flu, you don't want just a pamphlet that talks about the flu? No, I want the, I want the, <laughs> the, the author and finisher of my life. I want the beginning and the end. I want, I want the creator of all things to speak into my life first. It's like when you, how many times when you have a headache that you go to ibuprofen first, hmm. we, Jesus says, no, go to me first. How many times when we have a backache that we're looking for the ibuprofen without saying, God, hey, my back hurts. Would you be willing to heal it or touch yeah. it? And, and a lot of times we say, well, I've done that in the past and he doesn't heal me. So I just weren't immediate to do that. Well, could God have allowed that headache or could God have allowed that backache as a, as a reminder that he's jealous and he wants to have a conversation with you? Because he's basically sure. saying, I just want to have a conversation with you. I want to talk with you. Could he heal? Absolutely. Sometimes he doesn't, but thank you, God, that he's given us ibuprofen. But it's he's and everything, it's about him. We have to get this in our head. It's never about us. 
Now, it might be about us if we put ourselves in a position to cause that backache. It might be about us because we ate improperly or did something that causes us to have the headache. But even in the midst of that, the person of Jesus Christ is personal, and it's always about him because in the midst of that circumstance, in the midst of that pain, God, and he's saying, I am here. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I want fellowship with you no matter what it is. And don't lean on anything else. Don't lean on your own understanding, but trust and acknowledge me in all things. And so, yeah. All right. Perhaps the greatest transformation Jesus performed was to move the doctrine of the resurrection out of the future and into the present. Martha was looking to the future, knowing that Lazarus would rise again and that she would see him. Her friends were looking to the past, saying he could have prevented Lazarus from dying, but Jesus was looking at the present. Yeah, I love that. And, and again, today, I mean, Jesus is right here with you right now. If you're facing a problem or you're going through a trial or circumstance or, or there's things of, of happening in your life, just know that God is there. And, and when, when I say that he wants to bless you exceedingly abundantly more through this, what I'm saying is that he wants to bring you eternal peace. Hmm. He wants to bring you hope that that is supernatural. He wants to give you a ministry that is un, un, unbelievable. He wants to change your words and make you kinder. He wants to give you love that's, that's unspeakable. He wants to make your words gentle. He wants to give you a, a ministry and a life and a person that's impactful and meaningful and life-changing. And, um, and it's greater than anything you could do on yourself. You could try to build your future. You could try to build everything else and do all the right things. But without Jesus, it's futile. It's, it's, it's fleeting. It's fruitless. But with Jesus in the midst of your circumstance, with Jesus in the midst of whatever is happening in our life, it is more, I, I don't even know how to describe I mean, We've talked about this all the time. It is the best thing that can ever happen to you. Amen. Let God be God. Give it over to him and trust him. There's that trust word again. All right. Last one. Martha did not hesitate to affirm her faith. She used three different titles for Jesus, Lord, Christ, and Son of God. The words I believe are in the perfect tense, indicating a fixed and settled faith. I have believed and I will continue to believe. Yeah. And I think that goes with, you know, you know, Jesus, not only can, is he going to resurrect us from the dead, you know, but one of the things he said was that, you know, there's going to be a time that some are going to not fall asleep. There's going to be some that are not. And he's referencing First Thessalonians uh, 4 there. And that's that we call that caught up. It's rapturous rapture. in Latin, Latin rapture. And um, and so that's the hope we have. So mm. so again, so he's taking us from, hey, you're living for me. It's about me on this earth. And I'm going to take care of your circumstances. I'm going to take care of you in the suffering. I'm going to bless you. But just know one day you are going to die because Lazarus did die. Um, and, and But there is another greater hope. I am coming back again for you. And uh, I'm going to uh, redeem you even in that day. And so, Amen. you know, that's the beautiful thing about the rapture. If we don't have the rapture, we don't have that hope. If we don't have the rapture, we don't have Jesus as our God to do the things that he says he's going to do for us. And, um, and I'm telling you, if you're listening to this and you have never given your life to the Lord, right now is the opportunity. And you could just, you could just humble yourself and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Um, and Lord, I, I'm sorry for the way that I've done it. And, and Lord, I choose to, to live for you now. I choose to turn away from my old ways. I choose to learn more about you. I choose to humble myself and acknowledge that life is about you and not about me. I choose to surrender my circumstances and, my, and all of the things that are happening in my life today. I choose to trust you and worship you today. And, and I no longer want to live that life. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. I believe in this resurrection. I believe in the supernatural power that when I die, that I'm going to be with you and, and with, for all eternity. I believe what the Bible says there and all the hope that it gives. And so if that's you and, and you want to confess that, just pray that in your heart. Just cry it out to Lord. Get on your knees before him and, and just ask him to forgive you, but ask him to just come into your heart and just have that fellowship with him. And then once you've done that, go and tell somebody. Go and tell your mom and dad, go and tell us, reach out to us, 
go and tell your brothers and sisters and, and your kids and, and your friends and your relatives and your coworkers. Go tell somebody. And, uh, and the Bible says that if you've done that, all the angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. Okay. And uh, they're having a party in your name. And uh, how cool is that, Bob? Yeah, that's that's awesome, Pete. I, if you if you did that, man, we would love to just hear about it. You can go to our website, uh, riotpodcast.co, and 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 talk to us there, share it there. Um, all we always, uh, we, you know, we'd like you to go to our social media sites. L, what are the words I was? L S C S, Pete. L S C S. Like, subscribe, comment, and share. Anything like, stick in my mind. LSCS. I thought you were talking about like baseball, like <laughs> like like American League Championship Series. Or, yeah, something or, like I was that. trying to figure it out. Yeah. But man, Pete, what an what an honor and privilege it is to be able to sit here for you know an hour a week and just dive into the Word of God, and yep. and I, it just blows me away that there's actually people out there listening. Yeah, and I just pray that it just it it points them to Jesus. Amen. Always it helps build the relationship with God. And uh, man, that's why we, that's why we do this, man. We, we, we give him all the glory and we just pray that uh, for somebody out there this week, it, it, it's going to make a difference and, and draw you closer, yeah. man. We live in, we live in tough times. People are, are struggling all around us and what a privilege it is to be able to sit here and give people some good news. Amen. So Amen. it's been fun. Can't wait till next week. All right. Love you guys. Be blessed. Bye-bye guys. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.